tricky, tricky deal. We're going to be in Romans 8 today, and uh, we're, we're at verse 12, um, and we'll just reprise a little bit of that, and, uh, and, and then we'll um, see how far we get. But uh, this is just, a, this, I call this part of Romans just very essential. It's very bedrock stuff when it comes to theology and understanding who we are. Uh, I don't want to just dissect it and leave it apart from the whole. So I always like to remind myself when I go back into Romans that you have to hear it like you're a church and not just, not just going to church, but you're the church and you have someone talking to you about the stuff inside of us that causes us at times to, uh, prejudge other people and to decide, well, you know what, I'm, I'm a better than that person. Um, and, and you had that going on in the church in, in Rome, uh, Jews who've converted and become Christians. And you, so you can take it out of, out of Judaism, but you can't take the Judaism out of the Jew. And this is what Paul is really fighting with is that propensity uh, of the Jewish people to still hang on to the law and to believe that, well, the Gentiles we're not sure about because they're unclean. They're not, not doing the law. They're not living the law. I think our circumstance is different. Uh, and at the same time, there's a lot of stuff that gets poured into us that can get in the way of our really being able to love people who are different than us. I don't have to tell you we live in a culture of hate. It's a culture of hate where it has become acceptable to otherize people to say that person is bad because they are. Well, there's no question about the fact that there are, there are people who I look at and, and internally I may say to myself, I probably it's more than dislike this person. If, if I'm talking to an abortionist, I don't exactly look at that person and think to myself, man, how I love you. There's everything inside of me. Like, do you know who you are? Do you know what you're doing? Right? Do, do I want to bring Jesus to that person? Honestly? There's a part of all of us that's like, well, but who needs Jesus more than anyone else? That person does. He's a murderer. He's a murderer. St. Paul was a murderer. He murdered people for his business. And God said, I'm going to bring you to salvation. So when he's speaking to the Jews, what he's trying to say to them is, how do you see other people? And if you see them as other and through a lens of hatred or uncleanness, you'll never be the church. You'll never do what I've called you to do. How will you take my gospel to people that way? So here we are in Romans 8 and we're wrestling with, so then what does it mean to, to be the church, to be these children of, of God and to actually live out? And he's trying to set them free from the idea that, well, to be the church, we just live out, we live out the laws that God has given us. He's like, so there's a, there's a higher law. It's the law of the spirit who, who is the one who changes us, who causes us to become a people who are, are not otherizing, who do Approach people who need the gospel with love. Let's pray. Lord God, as we dive into Romans 8 today, I just want to recognize that, that Paul has a place in our culture today. If he were alive today, he would stand in front of us, the church, and he would speak. His words 
would uh, sound maybe a little bit different, but the same core message. You can't be the church until the love of God lives in and through you. That means a putting to death of our old man on a day-to-day-to-day basis. We need help. We can't help these feelings we have, the thoughts we have, the, the stuff inside of us. We can't change it. You change us, God. And we pray for that. In Jesus' name, let's, let's say amen. Um, I want to start this way. So I wrote this on the board to bring us back into to, uh, chapter 8, verse 12. Come back over with me to chapter 7, verse 18, and remember with me the, the problem that Paul is wrestling with. Chapter 7 is one of, one of not only my uh, favorite sections of Scripture when it comes to being honest about who I am, authentic about what Christianity is, but I think it's, it's probably one of the more uh, well-known sections of, of Scripture. If you go to verse 18, here's what Paul is saying. Uh, For I know nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. I, I, I know this about myself. I have a desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Uh, for I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil is close at hand. I delight in the law of God in my inner being. I see my members of law waging war against the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Come back over to chapter 8. I wanted to read that again just to kind of contextualize this problem that we have. Look, I want to be this way, but I'm not. I'm the opposite of what I want to be. Who can set me free? I, I am a, 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 a wretch. I'm a broken person who doesn't look in the mirror of God's word at all like I want to look. Who will set me free? So the Jews would say, I'll tell you who will set you free, you will. You just need to do it right. You, you, you'll set yourself free. You simply need to become righteous. You need to pick up the law, do it God's way, and you'll, get, you'll, you'll be able to, to do it. Just you just need to work harder. You need to pray harder. You need to do more, and it'll, it'll, you'll become who you're supposed to be. Does that work, by the way? Every one of us knows it doesn't work. Every one of us has been in that position where we've said a thousand plus times, I'm never going to do that again. I'm never going to say that again. I'm never going to look at that again. I'm never going to be. And what do we do? Bam, we're back in it. Sucked into it like a, like a, you know, a, a bird to a trap. And who will set me free? Well, the answer Paul has been given is the answer is not in the law. The answer is in what? It's in the gospel. The answer is in a spirit who comes to live within us who's at work within us, who changes us, and that change occurs on a day-to-day-to-day-to-day basis. It's not a light switch. I don't baptize someone, and the next day, wow, their life changed, right? Uh, Somebody doesn't walk into my office and say, hey, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ, and bam, the very next day, all their sin is gone, their life is completely changed. It's not light switch. It's ongoing work of God within me. And that is where Paul is, is resting his argument here as we dive into this next section, uh, Romans 8, beginning verse 12. So then, brothers, brothers, let me just tell you, you're in the same boat with me. Brothers, sisters, you're in the same boat with me. 
None of us different. Here's what we are. We're debtors, but not to the flesh. To live according to the flesh. I'm not going to be enslaved to my flesh. We're different. What makes us different? Well, if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. But here's what makes us different. The spirit. If you live by the spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body and you will live. I want to have life. I want my life to, to feel like I have some joy and I want to have hope in my life. I have a sense of purpose in my life. Where does that come from? The spirit. When the spirit is leading you, you will have all of that sense of purpose, mission, delight, uh, being, being able to, to say, I am content with what God has given me. Now, this next verse to me is a critical verse to just let soak in. I, 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 I could spend a week not exaggerating, just meditating on this one single verse. Just look at it with me. Critical. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Now the question, honest question. Don't try to answer it quickly. Let it sink into you and think about this. Are you today in your life led by the Spirit of God? If I said to you, do you feel like each day you arise, you're so connected to the Spirit that you would say, today, Lord, Spirit of God, who dwells, lead me. Where does he take you? Or is it to the places you thought you would go? Are you ever surprised? Is he present? Or does he feel distant right now? Would you say, well, I think of myself as a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ, but what's this led by the Spirit? I, I don't feel led by a Spirit. I'm that's why I want you to meditate on this single verse. And I could spend an entire week just saying, okay, God, test me in this. Am I, Luke, really led by the Spirit of God? Because he's saying, these are the who you you. These are the sons of God. And when he uses that term, it's an intimate term. Um, when I say I'm a son of God, it's not just I'm a, a generic child. There's an intimacy to it. Uh, in the Greek, two different words for child, right? I could call you a child generically. You're a technois. Or I could call you a child intimately. You're my child. You, we have blood relationship. You're a huyas. To, to be a son of God, a huyas, that intimate relationship I am what? I am led by the Spirit. Some thoughts that have kind of run through my mind or rumbled through my mind over the last week just looking at this uh, scripture and thinking about what does it mean to be led by the Spirit of God. And it's Paul's point, right? Don't live under the law. Live under the Spirit. There's, there's a surrender that happens when I live and am led by the Spirit of God. A surrender means what? I come and I say what? God, lead me. Do I have my agenda for the day? Absolutely. I got it for the day. I've got it. I surrender it. You lead me. To be surrendering doesn't mean it's a one-time 
movement at the beginning of a day. It starts there, but it's through the day. I'm, I'm busy, but God's calling me to spend time with this person. And so I am led by the Spirit. I have my desires. This is what I would like to do. But God's taking me a different direction. I surrender means I go his direction. If you've ever noticed this, um, and I'm, I'm kind of working on this right now, just in a, in a really, in a, in a personal way, some, some thoughts with this is just, if you ever notice in the Bible where the, the characters of the Bible, they hear God. You ever notice that? Not just every once in a while. They expect to hear him on a daily basis. Do you? You ever notice how they'll, they'll be getting ready to do one thing and God says, oops, I'm taking you this way. And they go. That's surrender. Okay. To live by the Spirit of God is to put on, to put on a new self. Um, I love some cross-reference here. Uh, one of the good things about Romans is part of a, a larger set of letters that Paul has written. And uh, quite often when you're in one of those letters and he's talking about a subject, you'll find that subject expanded upon in another letter that he's written. And I think that's true here. What does it mean for me to be led by the Spirit of God? Uh, if you look at Ephesians, and, I, and I'll just spend a little bit of, little bit of time on this. I'm going to have you come over to Ephesians 4, 17 and follow. I just go over to Ephesians. Just kind of flip over there. Ephesians 4. And let's go to verse 17. Just doing a little meditation time. This is kind of where I was led is, okay, what does it mean? Am I really led by the Spirit of God? Well, part of it is you put on this new self that God uh, is, is making us. Um, Ephesians kind of expounds upon that. Chapter 4, verse 17, just kind of walk through these words with me. He says, This I say, and I testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk like the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Don't be like the world. Our world is, the mind of our world is futile. In other words, it leads you to what? To where you're never going to get there. You're on a futile walk. You find yourself thinking, man, where are we going and how are we supposed to get there? And I, when I get there, there's nothing there. It's futile. They're darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance is due, that is in them due to their hardness of heart. And part of being made new each day is that softening of my heart. Do I really care about other people? They have become callous and have given themselves to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that's not the way you learn Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth in Jesus to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So what Paul is talking about is, okay, look, this God is trying to put, put on you a whole new self, make you new each day. When that happens, 
it, it, it be, your, your behavior begins to look different than the world's. Again, I'm not going to spend too much time on this, but just kind of flip through pretty quickly. Verse 25, put away falsehood. Speak the truth with each other. We're members of one another. Be angry, but don't sin. And I'll tell you what, I've seen a lot of anger in the last few weeks, and I've seen it turn into sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. How about that? Don't give opportunity to the devil. Why are we giving opportunity to the devil? Let the thief no longer steal. Let him labor. That he has something to share with those who are in need. Not, not so that he can just stop stealing, but actually the new person says, I don't need anything. I, everything I have, I want to share with others. Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth. You know what? What kind of a culture are we living in? You talk about tr- corrupt talk? Oh my, I, where do you escape it in our world today? It is, it is horrible what I hear coming out of people's mouths, Christians' mouths. And I think, let me ask you a question. Are you a son of God? Is the Spirit directing your life? Because I, I, I'm, what I'm seeing happen here doesn't look like it at all. I mean, these are words to think about. He says... Uh, you desire to give grace to those who hear. In fact, don't grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander get put away from you. Be kind to one another. Listen to this. Tender hearted. Is our culture, are we teaching our kids what does it look like to be tender hearted? Don't turn your TVs on and let them watch it. Don't, don't keep your radio off. Turn the internet down off. Because there is not tenderhearted not going on in our world today. See what I'm talking about? We live in a culture that is antithetical to what it means to be a huyothio, a son of God. To be a son of God, I have to have a tender heart. I have to have a desire. And now look how he closes this. Forgiving one another as Christ forgave you. Can you see what Paul's doing with the church? He's saying, church, how in the world are you going to go out there and make a difference in the world if you look like the world? Ain't going to happen. Let the Spirit renew you daily. And remember, it's in Ephesians 6, we won't look at this, that he says, here's how that happens, is you get up in the morning and you put on the helmet of truth, right? You, you put on the breastplate of righteousness, that's Jesus Christ. The breastplate of righteousness is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, would you guard my heart, guard my mind, guard my eyes, guard my lips, guard my hands, guard my actions this day. Put it on. You know, put on a belt of readiness, the shoes to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and pick up your sword because there's a war going on. But do you remember what the sword is? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the truth of God that you will make a difference with. And this is what God is calling us to be. Flip back to Romans number eight. You can kind of see what's going on is, is Paul is, is saying to the church, all who are led by the spirit of God, that's what it means to be the church. We're going to have to be led by the Spirit of God. Not the law, not our flesh, not Isaac and Jacob and Abraham, who all pointed us to Jesus Christ, but we're going to be led by the Spirit of God. 
He goes on then, verse 15, to say, You did not receive the spirit of slavery to go back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we call Abba, Father. There's that intimacy again. I have an intimacy with God. I'm able to call him. What do I call him? I call him my, my daddy. I am led by the spirit. God is my daddy. Jesus Christ is the, the, my, my breastplate of righteousness. I'm ready to go out into that world and to make a difference apart from that, I'm not able to. Now, this next part gets tricky, so you're going to have to follow me on it. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Think about that. While you're meditating, am I led by the Spirit of God? Spend some time on that this week. Notice what he's saying is the Spirit of God bears witness to your spirit that you are a child of God. How do I know I'm a follower of Jesus Christ? The Spirit bears testimony within me. And I deal with this on a regular basis as a pastor. At least, at least a half dozen times a year. Pastor, can we talk? Sure, we can talk. I'm really afraid right now. What are you afraid of? I think I've lost my faith. I have that conversation with people at least half a dozen times a year. The fact that they have fear is a good sign. You know why? Because the Spirit's testifying. He's working inside of them. And you know what the Spirit is saying is don't leave this alone. Don't just walk away from this question. This is a tough question. Walk through it. I want to walk through it with you because I want you to wrestle. Typically during those times when we're filled with doubt and we're wrestling, they're good times in our life because the Spirit's trying to do something in us. He's trying to say, hey, look, I'm talking to you. I want to get a hold of you. I want you to stand on solid, firm ground. And so, so let, let's deal with this question. Are you or are you not? So the Spirit who's, who finally says, you are my son. You are the son of Jesus Christ. And he bears witness within us. Thank God we have that Spirit uh, within us. He says in verse 17, if children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. And we're adopted into this family. We're adopted sons. Now, here's where it gets tricky. And I don't know what translation you have in front of you. I'm going to read this from the ESV. And then I'm going to try to reframe it. Because sometimes translations, they're not wrong. I'm not suggesting that. But sometimes translations select what we're going to call receptor language, in our case, English, that does not convey as clearly as it should the meaning of the text. Here's the ESV in this instance. It says, If children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we might be glorified with him. Provided we suffer with him in order that we might also be glorified with him. How many of you have that translation? And that? Quite a few. Any other translations? Yep, Dr. Wendy. Okay, if indeed we suffer with him, if indeed, it's a little bit better actually, I think, in the New King James. Anyone else? Different one, Carol? NIV. NIV? If indeed we share Even better yet. That's which, which one is that? NIV. NIV, which is usually, sorry guys, my, my, uh, my code lingo for NIV is the Wimp Bible. Uh, simply because too often they went out. That's actually good right there. Let me, let me show you this. This is kind of interesting. So provided that, why am I going to spend time on that? Well, 
you can now all of a sudden turn this gospel message, which is what it's meant to be, right? What Paul is saying is, listen, how do I be, how, how am I a child of God? The Spirit makes you a child. And he testifies to you that you are. It's not something you do. It's the Spirit working in you, right? If I say provided that, what, is, what, what could happen? I can all of a sudden turn the gospel into what? Into law, right? So I can make it read this way. You're a child of God, you're heir of God, provided that you suffer with him. You better suffer with him. When's the last time you suffered with him? And what does it mean to suffer with him anyway? Um, yeah, right now Shar is suffering with Mike. Um, actually, we laugh at that, but I do pray for Shar. Oh my goodness, her work is so critical now, and I just think, okay, God, keep that separation. And for a week and a half, she definitely suffered with Luke. Um, yeah, what does it mean to suffer with? Well, a little interesting here. The term that's used here, the word that's used here is a pair. Okay? It can be translated if provided, but it can also be translated this way, since. All of a sudden it becomes gospel. Now there's a flow to it. Now watch what happens. You are heirs of God and fellow heirs of Christ since it is true that you suffer with him. See the difference? Provided that law, since, is what? It's showing there's a continuum. When the Spirit lives inside of me, what, what happens? I become a new person. He testifies to me. And what does he do? He leads me into two different things. What we call suffering, that's our translation, suffering, and being glorified with him. Here's what Paul is pointing to, I believe. He's pointed to two things that the Spirit does within us that really give all of this meaning. The first is we're being led to share a passion with Jesus Christ. Okay, So the word suffer here, what does it really mean? It means to share in the passion of Jesus Christ. Uh, the actual term that's used here is sum pascomen. We are sharing with or in the suffering of Jesus Christ, the passion of Jesus Christ. Think about this. When Jesus Christ is on earth, he's walking around, he looks at every person. What does he see? I go, I walk around every day, I look at people, and I see what's on their outside, right? I see, okay, here's this person, they look like this, this person... I am calculating in my head. I don't think about it. It just is an autonomic response. I'm calculating in my head things about people that I don't even know just by looking at them on the outside. Is that true? I am. I'm just all of a sudden. It's not Jesus. Jesus walks around. What does he see? Not just what's on your outside. What does he see? What's on your inside? Can you imagine being Jesus? That every single human being you look at, you're like, oh my gosh, there's Dave. Oh, Dave is broken. Oh, Dave, you've got pain in you. I see that pain. The pain is deep. How long has it been there, Dave? 40 some years. 40 some years. It's deep. 
Who cares? The numbers. My whole life. I'm gonna I'm gonna put you down for counseling this week at seven poor Chris. We get a group of guys together. This is serious. We get a group of guys together. We go, hey, let's do this Bible study. And they start doing this book. And at some point, they get to this chapter that talks about their early woundedness with their fathers. And they're all tough guys. And we're going and they're jiving and doing their Bible study. And all of a sudden, this room gets kind of quiet. People kind of go around the circle. You ever have any woundedness from your dad? Here's this big, tough guy, and all of a sudden, shh. What was it? Yeah, I'm a dad. So drunk. Really emotionally abandoned me quite a bit. Jesus sees it. He walks around, he looks into that person, and he goes, oh. And he has passion. He has passion for you. I, I want, I don't want that hurt inside of you. I want to heal it. I can't fix what your dad did. I can't take that away, but I want to bring healing to you. I want to bring some hope to you. I want to show you who you are. You're my son. See what it means? To sum pascomen. Pascas is what? Passion. To share the passion with Jesus Christ. Here's what the Spirit is doing with us. He's taking us and He's making us new people that are now on a pathway where we walk around and how do I see another human being? Oh, what's inside you? Brokenness, hurt, stuckness. And I want you to be free from that. I want you to know who you truly are. You are a son, a daughter of the living God. Now all of a sudden, is it law? It's not law anymore, is it? It's a beautiful gospel. It's a way of life. It's a walking around with this heart for other people that allows me to see folks, not through the eyes of the world, but through the eyes of Jesus Christ. I have a shared passion with Jesus Christ. And so to be an heir of Jesus, to be a son of the living God, is to put on not just that breastplate of righteousness and grab my sword, but it's to now see people for who they truly are. They're broken human beings who need the hope of Jesus Christ. And I bring it. This sword I carry is the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a second thing that he names here. As children of God, we, we not only share in the passion of Jesus Christ, but we also may be, what? Glorified with him. Soon duxus thomen is the word, okay? And it's so misunderstood because when I think about what does it mean for you to share glory with Jesus Christ, unfortunately, in our Western culture, we take the term glory and we turn it into some highly over-spiritualized emotional sense of being, and it's not. The term duxa always refers to the, the presence of Jesus Christ. And so there's a sense in which, as a son of God, I have not only the sense of sharing in his passion. I walk around and I see people and I, I want to know, what, what are your hurts? What's inside of you? Right? But I, I also want you to know who's present. I can't fix you. 
I can't fix anyone, but I know someone who can, and his name is Jesus Christ, and he is with me. And there's a, there's a now and not yet sense to this glory that we currently share with Jesus Christ. I have a relationship with him. He's present with me. The Spirit is directing my life. He is my, my breastplate of righteousness. He is my, my belt of truth. He is my helmet of salvation. He's all of that. But he's also present, just present for me and with me. And as I encounter human beings who we, we do each day, who he's directing us to, to share life with, he's saying what? I'm, I'm here. I'm present. I'm with you. And uh, he is the one who brings the hope. I'm the bearer of it, but I am not the doer of it. He's the one who will change the world through, through you and through his gospel that he's using. And so this, this section ends with a Paul having wrestled with this question of the law and now helping people see that this, this life of following Jesus Christ is not about going to a temple, doing sacrifices, doing all the things that God says. No, it's about letting a spirit guide my life, walking on a pathway with Jesus Christ, sharing in that passion uh, with him, but knowing that he is fully present with me to act in the lives of others. And all of a sudden, here are these Jews who've grown up with uh, this, this spirit of hatred for Gentiles. These Jews who've grown up with this sense of, but I'm the one who does it, flipped completely upside down. I'm going to send you out into the midst of the Gentiles. And you must love them and bring to them the very gospel that has changed you. This is what Paul is trying to do. Um, let's just open this next section and we'll close out for the day. Verse 18 says, for, for I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed amongst us. For I consider logizomai. Logos is always logizomai. Logos is always the word. So in a way, here's what he's saying. He says, I word... I consider I word, not just his human mind, but this is being revealed to me. What's being revealed to me is that the shared passion, come back to that, not just not suffering like, oh, I'm suffering. No, the shared passion that I have with God today is not even worth what? It's not worth comparing to the glory. What is glory again? being present with God, that is being revealed to us, that is being shown to us, okay? Um, one other kind of sub-note in this that I think is interesting, for I consider that the shared passions of this present time, remember the word time in Greek, there's multiple words that we can use. We could use the term chronos and just mean right now. It's not what's used here. The word that's used here is Kairos, it means the God-appointed time. So he's saying, as you share the passions of Jesus Christ, guess what God does in your life every day? He, he makes appointments for you. They're divine appointments. They're beautiful. They're good. Actually, I can say, Paul, you know, Paul is the guy who finally says, for me to live is Jesus Christ. I love this life. I love being able to, to share this passion with him. I love being a part of other people. I love being able to bring hope into other people's lives. But it's not even worth comparing to, guess what? The time to come. When we will have a future glory 
now again think presence of Jesus Christ on a new earth, right? A new earth, him present amongst us, us knowing our relationship with him, he knowing his relationship with us. I look forward to that. And it allows Paul to say what? For me to live is Jesus Christ. For me to die is what? Gain is better yet, right? So actually, one of the things that made Paul what I call bulletproof uh, or COVID-proof, um, Paul, he, he didn't care if you killed him. I mean, he was excited about it. That was probably one of the first people Romans met. They'd be, he'd be like, are you telling me you're going to kill me? They'd be like, well, we could. He'd be like, that's awesome. Tell me more about that. Yeah, and that's Paul. That's what makes him un- unstoppable because he's not afraid of death. I will give myself to this gospel. But guess what? It's not even worth comparing to what is to come. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation waits for the eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. I told Mo I was going to do this, so um, I'll do this before we close. The whole of creation is, is built into it. Whether it's an inanimate object, a volcano, um, or a living organism. There's something inside of creation that knows it's broken. Have you ever noticed, this is interesting to me, that we train dogs, now some dogs have been trained, to know that people have COVID or cancer. You ever notice that? That a dog can walk up to someone and say, they put their head down. Like, what's that about? It's amazing to me that God put into a creature that capacity. There's more to it than that. The whole of creation, every part of it, is what? Longing for the revealing of the sons of God. It's waiting because it knows we are broken. Let's stop there. Lord, as we close today... um, just excited to continue this journey with you in this, this uh, critical chapter of Romans. Who are we? Am I directed by your spirit? Do I walk in a way that shares in your passion? Do I see others the way you see others? Lord, uh, as we leave, let us meditate on those things in this week to come. Give us your love, give us your grace, give us your opportunities to share all of that with others, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.